What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Welcome back. Guys had a good week? All right. Amen. A couple of you have. Praise. It is going fast. I'll agree with that. So uh, for those of you tuning in with us online this evening, I want to go ahead and welcome you to Next Level Freedom Church. Whether you're checking this out at nextlevelfreedomchurch.com, our Rumble, YouTube, or podcast platform, we thank you for tuning with us. But what we want to do is invite you down to become a part of what God is doing right here in Jackson, Missouri. The address is 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. We would love to meet you and your families and pray with you about whatever needs you may have in your life that you're needing prayer for. And yes, thank you for tuning, but we'll see you next week. How you guys doing? All right, I already asked that question, I know. Tonight we're going to be continuing this series, God Is. Have you been enjoying this series, learning the names of God and who God is and the names from the Old Testament and how Jesus fulfilled those names in the New Testament? And tonight, it's not going to be any different. This will be part seven. We're going to be wrapping this series up next week. And with part eight, but uh, we've been talking a little bit over the past several weeks about the five benefits of the New Testament covenant, which that New Testament covenant is Jesus. Jesus is the New Testament covenant. He's the one that came, gave his life so that you don't have to come down here every year and sacrifice a blood offering right here on this altar in this church. Amen. That would be a little bit rough. So what happened is they used to do that. They would sacrifice every year. Some still do sacrifice it every year. And all that would really do would be cover up their sins for another year. But when Jesus came and Jesus died, he erased it. Wow. Think of the power behind that. So the first couple of weeks, we talked about forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion, which gets along with that forgiveness thing. When Jesus forgave it, he paid the one-time price. All you have to do is receive him as Savior. He comes into your life, and then follow him in baptism and follow all the steps. Get a part of a church home that's being discipled because that's how we walk in Jesus' footsteps. Churches are supposed to be making disciples. Amen? Amen. Too many of them are just sitting around stagnant or sitting at home worse with the remote control. Some watching me tonight. I better be careful. But if you're sitting at home, you're not going to get the same thing you're going to get in the presence of God. So what we want to do is invite you. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. Amen. We need to have that sound mind. We need to be activating that love and power in our own lives so that the world can see through us just who Jesus is. He's not coming back for a dead church. He's coming back for an alive church that's alive and well, that's doing what he called them to do, which was occupy until he comes. So forgiveness of sin and deliverance of sin's dominion, the first two names we talked about were Yehovah Sedek, which was the Lord God, our righteousness, 
Because because of Jesus' blood, we are declared righteous. That's how you get that forgiveness from sin and that deliverance from sin's dominion. The next week we talked about Yehovah Kadesh, which means the Lord who sanctifies. He sanctifies us. Once again, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can do that. The next couple of weeks, we talked about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we talked about Yehovah Shalom. Many are familiar with that. The Lord God, our peace. And we're talking about a godly peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And the only ones that can tell, we can tell you about it all day about that godly peace, but we can't ever explain it to you if you've never experienced it. Amen, church. There's something about the peace of God. That surpasses all understanding. We can't put it into words. Yehovah Shammah we also talked about in that period. Which means the Lord God who is there. The Lord God who is there. When you're at work. When you're out having a rough week. Wherever you're at in this world. Guess what? God's omnipresent. He's there. That means he's everywhere all at the same time. And he's there with you. And we do good to remember that. Because the things we think we're getting away with. In our little closets. God sees it. You may fool me. You may fool the rest of the congregation. You may fool other pastors. But you can't fool God. And he's the one that's going to have the final say in your judgment day. The promise of health and healing we talked about the following week. Which is Yehovah Rapha. The Lord God our healer. And yes we believe he's still in the healing business. We're still seeing miracles today. Where people are getting healed miraculously. That science and doctors can't explain. Talked last week about the one, that, the minister from Africa who was here. He was at Christ Church of the Heartland last week in our leadership meeting. He actually got to experience raising someone from the dead in Africa. This stuff still happens. The lady had been dead all morning. She had been declared dead. Over in Africa, he said the police are the ones that declare you dead. It's not doctors. The police declare you dead. She was declared dead that morning. But after the service that day. They prayed for two and a half hours and nothing. That's when a lot of Christians would give up and get discouraged, right? When he prayed to God and said, God, I know you're the one that told me to do this. Because I believe it was the pastor's wife. And I, I might as well tell you the rest of the story, right? They put the body in the back of the sanctuary for the service. She died on a Sunday morning. Put her in the back of the sanctuary because that's what he told him to do. And after the service, he called for her to come down to the front of the sanctuary and they began praying that she would be raised from the dead for two and a half hours nothing happened he said god i know you're the one that told me to do this what's going on he said god answered him and said not everyone that's with you is for you he said how could that be god everyone here's crying they're weeping they seem to be praying with me god said not everyone among you is for you so he did this. He, he asked a question. He said, raise your hand if you believe this lady can be raised from the dead. There were 25 people in service that morning. 20 of them raised their hand that they, or didn't raise their hand. Only five believed she could actually be raised from the dead. So what he did was, the rest of you can go. We'll see you next week where she'll be worshiping with us. They left the building. He said, within five minutes... Her belly started moving and she was back from the dead. That's the God I serve. A God of miracles, signs, wonders. A God of power. 
And I was, he was right at, down at Church of the Rock here this past week. I wanted to go see him, but we were full that week. I was really wanting to get down and see him. But just know this. Why did you say all that? Because you need to understand the news doesn't know what God's up to in this society. And if they do, they're not going to tell you about it. So you need to be paying attention to what God's up to. Just at Cross Connection alone, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Miss Carol got up out that wheelchair and walked around a little bit, right? Amen. She walking real good now. She's dancing in heaven with, with God. But we've seen people healed of cancer. We've seen stage four cancer. Prayed over them. Next day they get the doctor's report. It's gone. Where did it go? God healed them. That's the stuff that makes the doctors do this. I don't get it. But you know what? Here's what I'm praying. When those doctors see those miracles that it opens their eyes to the truth. And they'll receive Jesus Christ as Savior because they need saved just as much as we need saved from what is to come. I'm sorry I got off on a healing kick. The the next week we talked about the freedom from the law's curse of failure and insufficiency. Insufficiency. And what we meant by that, remember when Moses was handed the law on tablets, that was given so man would understand they're living in sin. Read your book of Romans. It tells you about it. I don't remember the chapter offhand. Paul tells you that was included so that we would know that we were sinners. Because before the law was put on tablets, we had no idea. There was no standard to live by. So now the law was put on tablets. Well, that's insufficient. We can't be saved. We can't earn our way to heaven. All you got to do is list the top ten commandments and you broke one of them at least. Just like me. And Jesus said, if you broke one, you broke them all. Well, pastor, what are you talking about? Anybody ever told what we call a little white lie in this society? Oh, it won't hurt anybody, right? It's still a lie. It's a sin. That one white lie alone wouldn't get you to heaven. But Jesus, amen? Because that week we talked about Jehovah Yireh. Or in English, Jehovah Jireh. I know most of you know that name. Jehovah Yireh, the Lord God, provision shall be seen is what that means. Or we always say the Lord God, our provider. He provides our needs. And Ashley and I are just testimonies of that. Over the years, we've seen him provide every need. And And that's why when I'm going forward, if I can't see the end of a road, I'm thinking we're going to be just fine. Drives her nuts sometimes, by the way. But I'm like, I've seen God deliver me from bigger than this. Why would he not deliver me from this? Right? Amen. 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 If you know that God's a healer. Well, tonight we're going to begin the last portion, which was the fifth reason or fifth benefit of the New Testament covenant. We're going to talk about it again next week. And that is freedom from fear of death and hell. We all know people came to church, said a prayer came to the altar, but they didn't want to have to serve God after that. They just wanted to make sure their fire insurance was paid up. So the old church always used to say, I don't want to go to hell. So because I don't want to go to hell, I went down and prayed a prayer. Well, I got some bad news for you. If you just prayed a prayer and there wasn't a change in your life, salvation is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. I mean, the prayer is there. You pray and you ask him into your heart. That's legit. But how you live after that determines whether you got saved or not. You can't turn around. That's not saying we expect you to be perfect because we're not. 
we're going to mess up. We're going to fail. But if you can walk away from wherever you said a prayer and live like hell the rest of the week and not have any conviction for it, I question your salvation. However, here's how you know you got the Holy Spirit. You getting ready to do something wrong. There's a little thing called conviction. And it doesn't feel good. Anybody told you Christianity feels good, they lied to you. It hurts all the time. Why? Because we have to die to our flesh daily. Paul said that in the Bible. We have to die to our, I die daily is how he said it. And he was talking about the lusts of the flesh, the things that the flesh wants to pursue after. That's what we have to die to, die to as believers every day. You think just because you came down and said a prayer, maybe you did receive Christ, you think the devil's going to leave you alone? It's going to get harder. I'll tell you the truth. Christianity's the hardest life you'll ever live because you have to die daily to your flesh. But... Thank God for Jesus' blood. So when we do mess up, we have an advocate with the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the, that's the beauty of Judgment Day for those that believe. They walk up to the judgment seat, and the devil's over there accusing. Well, you know what that person did. You see them, they did this, they did this, they did this, they did this, they did this. Jesus looks over to the Father and says, yeah, but I paid that debt. They're ours. Amen. Amen. Okay, we got to move. Sorry. We also have been talking every week, and I said I'd read it every week, and I will until next week. Out of Larry Lee's book, Could You Not Tarry One Hour, the name Jehovah or Yehovah. God's name Yehovah reveals his readiness to save his people and to act for them. Thus, the name Yehovah or I am that I am. Amen. That's what he approached Moses with in your Old Testament. Can be rendered, I am with you, ready to save and to act just as I have always been. You know the encouraging part of that last part is? He never left me. I might have walked away from him, but he's right here waiting. I mean, I should be getting some more amens in the house. If you've been born again tonight, you know God delivered you from some stuff. See, the easy thing to do when we walk out in the world is judge other people on their stuff. Forgetting ourselves, we had our own stuff that God had to deliver us from. So we don't expect them to be perfect the next day. Exodus 17, we got to get to our name. See, I'm on a whole other message. Got to get to the message. Exodus 17, verses 15 to 16. This is where our name will be found tonight. And this takes place, if I'm not mistaken, is when Moses was lifting his hands and there was a battle with the Amalekites. And they were fighting below. And every time Moses was holding the rod in the air, they were winning. When his arm, you know how you hold something for long enough, your arms get tired, right? And when his hands would go down, they would lose. So Joshua and Caleb hopped up on his sides and held his arms up. And when he held his arms up, they won the battle that day. But here's the part I want you to catch. And Moses built an altar. This is Exodus 17, 15 to 16. Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Or Amalek. The Lord is my banner. In Hebrew there, 
That is the word Yehovah Nisi, which is in English we say Jehovah Nisi. Yehovah Nisi, which means just what it said. The Lord is my banner. In order for you to catch the depths of this name, I want to read another quote from Larry Lee's book because I figured I couldn't word this any better myself. And listen to what this banner thing means when it's translated. The word for banner, Nisi, the word for banner might also be translated pole or ensign or standard. Among the Jews, it is also a word denoting miracle. As an ensign or standard, it was a rallying point to kindle hope and efforts. A signal raised on an elevated place on a special occasion. The banner represented God's cause, his battle, and was a sign of deliverance and salvation. Here's what happened. The armies would go to war. They had a banner up on the hill. As long as that banner is still standing, means you're still winning. But if your banner ever falls, that's when men start giving up because the army falls. But the Lord is our banner. The Lord is my banner. He's the one we look to even in the midst of all the tragedies and things we see in life, things we can't always explain. There's a mess going on in the world around us, but he's Yehovah Nissi. The Lord God, our banner. And as long as his banner's flying high in the sky, I got good news for that banner. It ain't going nowhere. See, I like that word ain't. Some of y'all, hey, you ain't grammar. I don't care. It ain't going nowhere. God's banner is there for all eternity. For the ones who have received him. See, in the Old Testament, we got this book of Numbers chapter 21. There's a story of how God sent fiery serpents into Israel's camp to punish them from some sin they were dealing with. They bit the people and they begin dying. They cry out to the Lord. God tells Moses, he said, I want you to build a bronze snake. And put it up on the hill. And anyone that looks to that snake will be healed. All they got to do is look at it. Sounds crazy, right? The ones that looked at it were healed. Now, don't you know there were others in the tents? I talked about this when I did the Moses series. There were others in their tents. Some like people nowadays, some of them. They were like... That's ridiculous. All I got to do is look at a stick with a bronze snake on it, and I'm going to be healed. No, I'll stay right here. And they died. But the ones who had the faith to believe looked upon the bronze snake and lived, just like we look to Jesus on Calvary. That cross has a meaning. And if anyone who comes to God through him is saved it was symbolic of what god was doing let's go to mark chapter 5 we gotta get into our word here tonight but that's how jesus is our banner he died so we'd have a banner amen Amen. mark 5 1 to 5 says then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of gadarenes i'm assuming i pronounced that right and when he had come out of the boat immediately There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. 
because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Point number one, I want to talk for a second. Our lives are a mess. You looked in a mirror lately. I'm, I'm my own life. I'm in a mess. There are times I'm in a mess, right? Not saying the mess is always there, but our lives are a mess. That's why we need Jesus. So the people of this city or town did what every good church member does to the people that we don't know what else to do with, cast them out, right? They tried, right? They bound him with shackles. They bound him with chains. He always broke them. They didn't know what else to do with him, so they sent him out to the tombs. And that's where he stayed. Too many churches doing that now. People coming broken. That's why they're here. Their lives are messed up, just like yours. See, I didn't leave anybody out, just like mine. Our lives are a mess. The only hope we have is Jesus. But this man seemed to have no hope. It said no one could tame him. So that's where they left him. Can you imagine him? Alone in the dark, in a cemetery, in a mountain. Isaiah 11.10 tells us, And in that day there shall be a root, some translations say rod, of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. For those of you who didn't catch it, that verse is talking about the coming Messiah. It was, it's Jesus. We know who he was now. But Isaiah was speaking to the future hundreds of years after he died. He was speaking of the man who was to come, and he said that it would come from the root, or it would be a rod that rised up of Jesse. Well, for those of you that don't know who Jesse is, maybe you've heard of King David. That was Jesse's son, one of the eight sons he had. So, and he was the youngest, David was. But Jesse, he was going to come from that rod. This all points us to the Messiah. But did you catch the other part? Who shall stand as a, what was the word? Banner, banner to the people. He's our banner. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now, this is probably the demons talking. Because the man, here's what I catch in that, knew where to find his help. Knew where to find his hope. And I had an evangelist friend talking about this years ago. His name is Brady Weldon. And he was talking at one of my old churches. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, this man probably heard the whispers of the people. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And when he knew Jesus was coming, what did it say? He ran to him. He knew there was nowhere else he was going to find any hope for his situation. How many of y'all been there? Maybe not physically in chains and possessed by demons, but you've had your cemetery moments. 
where you're in those dark places in life where it looks like there is no way out, there's no hope for you, Jesus is your banner. Because point number two, we come to God in our mess. Don't try to clean your life up before you come to God. You'll never make it. Your life will never be clean until he starts cleaning you up. So we come to him, so we, our lives are a mess, but we come to him in our mess. That's how we approach the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, and he's there with his hand out open wide. Nobody else knew what to do with this man, but he came to God with all his demons and all his mess, and the demons were freaking out. Don't bug us. Don't torment us. But the man knew he could get delivered if he could just get to Jesus. Sounds like us, right? We've got the situations in our life that are constantly bombarding us. Bombarding us. Can't even talk tonight. With stuff going on in our lives that looks impossible to conquer. But when you're in your darkest moment, he's Jehovah Nissi. The Lord God, your banner. Look to Jesus. Ephesians 1, to 23 says, And he put all things under his feet. And gave him to be head over all things to the church. It's talking about Jesus. God gave him to be head over the church, which is his body, or which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is the one that makes us complete. That empty void that you've been living with in your heart, I'm talking to somebody. That empty void, you've been, you're not going to be able to fill it with alcohol. You're not going to be able to fill it with drugs. You're not going to be able to fill it with lust. We'll just leave it at that. You're not going to be able to fill it with these other things that life has to offer you because the one thing that you're missing and the only hope that can give you peace with that hole in your heart is Jesus. Verse 8 of Mark 5, it says, For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Explanation point can see Jesus man comes crying to him spirit says don't torment us Jesus says come out of him unclean spirit but he doesn't stop there this is one of the few times you can hear Jesus say this he asked him what is your name he answered saying my name is legion for we are many trying to intimidate him we're many you can't stop us. We're many. Also, he begged him earnestly. <laughs> Isn't it funny? He's trying to intimidate him, but he's begging at the same time. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. They had to possess something. There's a whole deeper study on demons, and we can talk about that later, but they got to possess something. They can't be here if they're not. They can go to hell. They didn't want to leave. Who they were in. But here's point number three. Ultimately, God is in control. No matter what demons. Anybody ever seen, what is it, turkeys? There's other ones that do that. They rise up their feathers, try to make themselves look a little bit bigger than you to try to intimidate you. I see demons try to do that. Can you see that? Some of you have been seeing them in your own life. They're trying to raise up to intimidate you. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter what they intimidate you with. If you're a child of God, he's ultimately in control. And here's the good news. He is in control regardless of whether you're a child of God or not. 
But when you become a child of God, you got the right to call out to him and say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I cast you out. You have no place in my life and they got to go. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have victories? Nothing I've done. Nothing you've done. It's Jesus. That's who the victory is from. But this man comes. Jesus takes authority immediately over. He wasn't going to be intimidated. That's the God I serve. Amen. No matter how big the demon tries to make himself look. I serve the God of the universe. I got Jesus. I don't got a time with you. I don't got no time to be messing around with no demons. Here's my encouragement to you. Don't ask their name. Jesus did it. He was God. Just cast them out. Too many people try to have a conversation with the demon. Why would you do that? Just cast them out. They got no place in your life. If you're a born-again believer, they got no place. If you're not, oh, they're going to reign as long as you'll let them. But the good news is you can have a chance to receive Christ, and we're going to give you that opportunity tonight. Mark chapter 5, verse 11. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once, check this out, Jesus gave him permission. Anybody see the power in that spot but me? They can't do anything without Jesus' permission. Including leave. At once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. Check this out. There were about 2,000. That's a big herd of swine. Pigs. That's a lot of pigs, right? And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, we could preach a whole sermon right there tonight, but we're not going to do it. Why did they run to the sea? Because throughout your scripture, the place of cleansing, that baptism that you did when you were born again, Represents the washing away. The water is how we purify. They were seeking that. Now, don't get me wrong. Baptism doesn't save you. It's a whole experience all itself. But what I'm saying is they ran to the water because they wanted to be cleansed. And they died. So the demons, who didn't want to leave the man because they were scared, ended up going to swine and they died anyway. You see how Jesus worked? Okay, you can do that. You're gone. He is the only one, point number four, he is the only one who can deliver us. So our lives are a mess. We come to him in our mess. God is ultimately in control, and he's the only one that can deliver us. Just like this man. 2 Timothy 1, 8 to 10 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. You mean I got to suffer to live this thing out? I told you, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's not going to be easy. But you're on a better track. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, I like this, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. What? Before God said, let there be light, he already had a savior ready for man because he knew they weren't going to make it. 
before the beginning of time, before time began. Verse 10 says, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He conquered death. You don't even have to be scared of dying anymore. Because there's victory in that too. What Paul say? To live is Christ, to die is gain. No matter what the devil tries to do to me, I win. You can torture me and I'll stay here and I'll keep serving Jesus through all the torture and all the things he puts me through. If I die, guess what? I'm in glory. So living is Christ, to die is gain. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to be telling people about Jesus. Because he's the only one that can save us. Let's wrap this up tonight. Mark 5, 14 to 17. So those who fed the swine fled... And they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what (laughs) it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. I'm going to stop there for a second because I want you to notice something. Whoo! I go, woo, right? All right. Jesus came. What happened as soon as Jesus showed up? News spread. A man got delivered. What happened to the people in the city that cast him out? They didn't know what else to do with him. They tried everything they knew. Now they see him sitting there in his right mind. And what did it say? They were afraid. Watch what happens next. And those who saw it, told them how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Now check out verse 17. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Now you study a little bit deeper in this city, in this area. There was a lot of this demonic worship and stuff in this area, they believe. Just judging by the way this is set up. Because what happened is they couldn't do nothing with him. They cast him out. Now Jesus shows up, delivers him, and they say, no, 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 leave. Leave. We don't want you here, Jesus. Doesn't that sound like today? We bring the one and only hope that can deliver this world from all the darkness and sin that we see it is living in right now. And what are they saying? No, I'm good, Jesus. I don't need you. Leave. They saw a miracle. And still didn't want him there. So let's put to rest the talk of if I could see God do a miracle, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. Doesn't matter what God did for you. Now, he has used that to deliver people. Don't get me wrong. But if all you're looking for is miracles, you're not going to make it. God's about more than miracles. What did the Bible, we talked about this a few weeks ago. God doesn't give off love. He's not a man of love. It says God is love. So if he is love, then guess what, Christians? If you're not living in love for mankind, you don't got God. That's what John told us, 1 John. Go look it up. You're going to get to see it. If you weren't here on March 23rd, that message is going up here in a couple of weeks. You'll get to see it. I read the book of 1 John. He said it. That's where I heard it recently. So for y'all, it's been a few months. But John tells us that. That wasn't me. 
That was your word. That was, your, that was God. That was John told you that. Because last point, his banner gives us hope. His banner gives us hope. Not the other banners that you see being cast around right now. Some of y'all's minds already went somewhere. It's June. There you go. Not those banners. God's banner is the only one that can give us hope. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 says, Inasmuch, then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. He came to flesh. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus showed up. He was on a mission. He wasn't just about getting you saved. He was about conquering death. Read it again. You don't believe me. He came in the flesh, it said, so that he might die. Read it. He himself likewise shared the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I'm not scared of death. No more. Tell you what, if, when I die one of these days, y'all just have a party. Because I promise you, I'm walking streets of gold and I'm having a good old time in Jesus. I get it. There's a mourning period. I'm not trying to be insensitive because I know we've had some die recently. But what I'm saying is, if they were believers, let's party. Another one made it to the kingdom. They fought the good fight. And when it was over, they're now with him. I said wrap up. Well, there's a few more verses there in Mark, so we'll go ahead and wrap those up. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Watch Jesus' response. Verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And what does it say? All marveled. Meaning they were amazed. A lot of us want to go on home and be with Jesus, the world we're living in. But if we're with Jesus, we can't tell others about Jesus. So if you're still breathing, he's still got a purpose for you. You're still supposed to be telling others about Jesus. Until that day when you die, then you can be celebrating and go home with Jesus. Too many Christians just sitting around waiting on death or waiting on the rapture to take me home. God said, while you're here, occupy. Occupy the territory. Tell people, what did he say? Great commission, go. He didn't say stand still, wait on me to come. He said, go ye therefore unto all nations, or sorry, into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And what else did he say? Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He is with you. If you've got Jesus in you, he's with you. You're not doing this thing by yourself. He's with you. He's walking this thing with you. You can call out to him anytime, day or night. 
That's the good news. God's hotline, prayer line, never closes. You need to talk, he's there. He doesn't sleep. He's not like us. I've had plenty of times in the middle of the night I had to cast some stuff out. About three o'clock hours. There's a reason for that. That's when the satanic worshipers be praying that stuff in to attack the believers, which are you and me. But by the power of Jesus and his blood, we can be saved. If you've been tuning with us online, I want to say thank you so much for joining with us this evening. I do hope to meet you in purpose, purpose, in person here really soon so that we can pray with you about whatever situations you have going on in your life. But if you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's where it starts. You simply ask. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, just like we talked about tonight, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Then you thank him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. You prayed that prayer. You meant it from the bottom of your heart. I'm here to say congratulations. Welcome to the family, God. Your next step is you need to be baptized. You need to join a church family that's open. The doors are open. People are coming, and they're being discipled. You need to be baptized following in Jesus' footsteps because that's the next step on your journey. After that, you just begin to grow. Study on your own. Get into that word. Read it. Spend some time with God daily. Pray with God daily. You miss a day, you're going to know it. That day won't go so good. But if you stay in it, your days are going to go a lot better, even with a mess going on around you. Amen? Sometimes this world can throw chaos at us. But God bless you guys for tuning with us online. We'll see you next time.